Hello everyone and welcome to this edition of the All The Anime Podcast, being brought to you on Monday the 20th of April 2020. I am Jeremy Graves and I am once again joined as per usual by the one, the only, the true mythical giant that is Mr. Andy Hanley. God, I, I, wish, I wish I had a better comeback to that, but uh, but I don't. I was already just to sit here and talk about the weather because it's sunny outside and then you give me the big up intro that... that means like i feel like i should be saying something profound about the state of the universe or something well i guess with that then i'll just say how's animal crossing uh yeah and animal crossing is is good um <laughs> kk kk slider came came paid us paid a visit at the weekend and uh, i'm sorry like, who kk everybody knows kk slider he's kk slider is the david bowie of, of animal crossing like he just <laughs> he has a very diverse catalog of music um, and uh, every once you get a certain point in the game, every Saturday he'll come and do a gig on your island, and you can put in requests, and then he just says, "Yeah, I didn't know the song you're talking about, so I just played whatever." Um, he's he's that he's that kind of talent. Um, but wait, is this an actual thing that happens in the game? Yeah, it's an actual thing. Like, there's basically <laughs> I didn't like, know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 a a dog with a guitar, like. Uh, <laughs> important stuff and, and more importantly today i i got i'm kind of scared that, that animal crossing is like monitoring me now because last night i was i was talking to somebody and bemoaning the lack of sofas in in my animal crossing and then and <laughs> then more problems yeah exactly like there's no sofa in my house and then today i i log on to the game in my lunch break and what's the the one like exclusive thing they have on sale in the shop it's a sofa and it's like hmm, hang on a minute <laughs> are you saying nintendo switch is somehow doing targeted ads through like machine learning or listening I'm, yeah i'm somehow terrified that it's like listening in on my whatsapp calls now to see what what i want in my animal crossing because it's like how could it know well, uh, well actually hit, hit, here's a little bit of conspiracy theory scott button do you have the nintendo switch app installed on your phone i do yeah which is just yeah fuel fuels my conspiracy theory all, all the more because it's like mm, let's see what's happening here <laughs> But uh, with that being said, everybody, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for checking us out. If you are a first-time listener, welcome to the show. We are from All The Anime, otherwise known as Anime Limited. We are the UK's largest independent distributor of Japanese animation on home video, digital, and when the world gets back to normal, in cinema. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. We are All The Anime, and you can visit our official website at alltheanime.com, where right now, everybody, we have got a special early bird pre-order offer until this coming Thursday for you because Andy Love Live Season 2 or Love Live Sunshine Season 2 I should say more specifically arrives on Blu-ray and DVD on the 18th of May yes absolutely I, I know people have been uh, waiting for this one for, for quite a while so it's nice to, to finally get that one out there and uh, yeah people are people are very excited to see it I, I think uh I suspect some of you listening may have, have kind of forgotten all about it, and then uh, and then there it was. So uh, yeah, a lot a lot of people are grabbing that on pre-order, and if you have not done so yet, and you're a Love Live fan, you you probably should because it's uh, it's quite a, a nice little uh, nice little addition to your collection. Indeed, the offer being specifically on the Blu-ray Collector's Edition version, which it's got a limited print run, folks, like the original Season 1 Collector's Edition did, so if you didn't get that, you might want to nab it quickly. There is also a Standard Edition DVD version as well that can be pre-ordered from our online shop. Indeed, and it's also worth noting, like, if you did miss out on the Collector's Edition of Season 1, there is a Standard Edition Blu-ray available, but you might want to wait a day or two if you're listening to this on the day it goes live, because, you know, maybe maybe we'll have some kind of weekly deal on the first season if you haven't picked it up already. So, uh, you know, just a, just a little little heads up there for, for our podcast listeners. Are you suggesting, Andy, people might want to wait until sometime Wednesday afternoon if they want to order Season 1? I might just be saying that, yes. Okay. Whether that's true or not, folks, you'll find out Wednesday, I guess. So I <laughs> do, do, I, do I ever lie to you, dear listeners? Do I ever? Now, I'm actually trying to think here. Have you ever lied on the podcast? <laughs> probably not lied. Probably just made mistakes and said things wrong in general, I would suggest. Just shout the word correction and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, let's not get back into our kind of ongoing uh, discussions about, about Gunbuster, because we need Jonathan on for that. <laughs> I mean, mate, I'm not going to lie. If if the podcast every couple of weeks just descends to us hearing Jonathan talking about Gunbuster, I'm all for it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, uh, likewise. I mean, as, as somebody who, uh, who who has enjoyed my Gunbuster experiences in the past, like, uh, it, and it is, uh, it is a fascinating, uh, a fascinating work. So, you know, it's, it's worth every, every word is, is valuable. 
Indeed, and if you're not sure what we're talking about, everybody, this past Friday on the podcast that we released, we actually had special guest Dr. Jonathan Clements join us once again, talking about Gunbuster happened to come up in conversation. There was talk about reindeer herders in, in Sweden and Finland, which in itself is a fascinating topic. But then we also spoke to him about Hajime Yatate, which was a, a point of discussion that came up during our recent Escaflone special episode, and got some fascinating insight about sort of pseudonyms in anime and what that whole concept of Hajime Yatate is. And I've got to say, Andy, that was genuinely fascinating. While we're recording that, it's not often I'm kind of speechless like that, but it was genuinely incredibly fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've we've had some some really nice comments from people who uh, who enjoyed that and uh, and learned a lot from it. And uh, yeah, like it's uh, it, it's always nice to to write the blue touch paper under Jonathan on, on pretty much any anime related topic and uh, and let the the fascinating information flow forth. And uh, yeah, like it, it's one of those things. I think we we could have gone on and just recorded like an all day podcast just just picking Jonathan's brain about things. But uh, sadly, we we have other things to do with our days, as does Jonathan. So uh, we we got a, a nice a nice succinct kind of hour and a half or so of uh, of great info out of him. Indeed, and have no fear, everybody. Jonathan will return. But Andy, in terms of what we have been doing since we recorded that episode, how was your weekend? Let's have just a little catch up, I guess, or shoot the breeze a little bit. What were you up to this weekend? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I was mostly just basking out in the sun like a cat in my in my garden, to be honest, because uh, <laughs> yeah, we finally had some good weather and obviously can't really go out and about. So uh, having having built a bench for myself, I, I just found myself just kind of sprawling out and uh, and enjoying some some sunshine. Um, but apart from that, yeah, I've not really been up to too much. I mean, we were at at this weird place now with you know Japan entering kind of a state of emergency where a lot of anime productions for this season are either have either halted or are going to in the next week so there are a lot of series that we've been talking about in recent weeks that are either now on hiatus or will be after the next episode which kind of puts things in a weird in a weird place when you've you've been trying to kind of watch things week week on week because you know do you do you want to watch something when you know there's probably going to be a long pause before the next episode etc cetera, etc cetera. so I've sort of uh, sort of found myself with with some some extra spare time in terms of anime viewing so uh, I, if anyone has any recommendations that they want to throw our way then I will I will happily hear them. Yeah, when it comes to stuff that's been postponed, I'll just say now, it includes stuff we've talked about, like, I think Digimon Adventure just got announced, that was getting yeah. postponed after the next episode, or after the most recent one, which I don't think I've talked about on the podcast yet, Is it was um, Apare Ranman that we talked about last week, that's just been announced as getting postponed after... I want to say the third episode? Yes, yeah, so that has one episode left to broadcast, and then that will begin on hiatus. Yeah, I mean... Heck, even One Piece has just been announced it's going to be postponed. A show which has got over 900 episodes and at one point in time I think was airing every fortnight in Japan because it was pretty much neck and neck with the with the print manga version of the exact same story so that it didn't get ahead of it. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, I mean, even stuff... Pokemon has been is being pushed back now in Japan. Freaking heck! Yeah, I mean, ironically, that's kind of the stuff that I would expect more because you know, long running weekly series are you know clearly going to be running relatively close to the line. But this this is kind of a really interesting point for taking a step back and looking at a which you know which productions have been finished well in advance. Like I know things like Ascendance of a Bookworm that's currently airing. Like season two of that is completely in the can like they don't have any worries because that is completely finished um there are clearly some productions that are quite a way ahead and you know they can probably get away with having a, a, a hiatus of, of a few weeks uh, you know assuming of course that things can can reopen in relatively short order and then yeah like we've very quickly seen the productions that were running pretty pretty close to the wire in terms of getting episodes out the door before broadcast and of course those have had to uh, had to put put the brakes on a, a lot sooner um, including i mean sadly like one series that i've not talked about on here is a, a certain scientific railgun t which i've been really enjoying and uh, that's kind of getting to a climactic point and and that is now going to have to uh, to take a, another breather as well so uh, you know all, all very understandable like it's absolutely the, the right thing to do to uh, make sure people stay safe but uh, it's, it's kind of interesting to to see which studios are uh, able to to pivot to you know people working outside of, of offices and, and and outside of studios and, and also which productions were were either finished or kind of close to it uh, further in advance it, it will be an interesting topic of discussion actually maybe when jonathan's next on the show just to kind of ask about the culture of anime running so close to the wire 
Yeah, like, yeah it might absolutely. just be interesting just to try and get some some background insight on that. So how did that come to be, and why is it still such a regular thing now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Like it, it is some some interesting kind of insider baseball on, on the industry stuff. And I mean, yeah. Like I think everybody knows some of these kind of infamous stories about you know episodes of Neon Genesis Evangelion being kind of raced to TV studios in cars, like literally an hour or so before broadcast and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, like you know, production still run very tight to the line. I mean, even outside of these these strange times, you know. You think of the series that have sudden recap episodes injected into them or series that do just kind of, you know, miss a slot for a week or, you know, they appear late on streaming services because they're not ready in time to be subtitled. Um, you know, there, there are still plenty of uh, plenty of series that, that run close even when, you know, we're in normal business as usual. And, of course, you know, something like this comes along and it, it wreaks utter havoc with uh, with production schedules. It's going to be very interesting over the next week just to to really gauge the scale of how much anime is not going to be airing on time this season. Yes, yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think, you know, probably over the next kind of couple of weeks we'll we'll probably see more more additions to to that and uh yeah, we we will we will see what uh, what happens. I mean, interestingly, you know, I I've seen people before the start of this season kind of uh recommending recommending you know hey these are these are the productions that are probably gonna kind of go the distance uh because they're they're well enough in advance and thus far i think they've they've more or less kind of pretty much nailed it but you know even some of the series that 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 people had said like oh yeah this should be this should be safe this should just like carry on and be be a-okay and then two episodes in you know it's been postponed um or or, you know there are series that have been postponed for uh, until the summer now so uh so yeah it's gonna be uh it's gonna be interesting to see how that goes and you know how how things progress out of interest how are people able to for lack of a better word predict what shows might go the distance this actual season um i mean i think some some productions are kind of well known of just like okay this is this is finished this is done um it's also partly down to the studios you know some studios are well known for you know having a very a very robust pipeline where you know they tend to to work well in advance um, some of the series kind of come into things like, like Netflix, you know, they tend to make sure that they're, they're well ahead of the game. Um, some directors and, you know, just general kind of staff on particular shows are sort of well known for, you know, uh, for speed of delivery, et cetera, et cetera, and, and for being well organized. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of a variety of things, but you know, people, people kind of try and piece together what, what shows are probably well on their way or done already and uh, you know with with variable results like i say the the list that i saw like a couple of them have have already been been pushed but others are thus far carrying on as normal so you know it's a it's it's an inexact science when you're you're outside of the industry in particular hmm well in terms of what i was doing this weekend andy i uh, uh, so this involves a little bit of backtracking everybody because recently uh, I've sort of wanted to try and, in terms of like personal health and stuff like that, I've wanted to sort of pick up a, up the ante a little bit on my workout routine because I mean, people who follow me like on my personal Twitter or Instagram or stuff know that for a long time I I do like DDP yoga. It's a form of like power yoga essentially. It's something I've been doing for a couple of years and lost a ton of weight and stuff through doing it. And I sort of decided, right, I kind of, I feel like I need to just change up things a little bit because as much as I still love doing DDP yoga and honestly it actually makes my body genuinely feel better so if I don't do it for like a good couple of days I feel utterly horrid I decided I wanted to do something I haven't done for a while Andy last week and that was I wanted to start doing some running mm-hmm, that's fair. now being being a tall man this is arguably a very stupid decision just because there's a lot of impact on joints and stuff but I just thought you know what it's something different it will be a reason to be able to get out of my flat for like 20 minutes or something just I tried to think about it logically so I thought right I'm gonna build this up starting Monday last week I did like I think it worked out like I got like 10 minute running just because I thought this is not gonna go a long time I just want to see how far I can get I felt like utter doom after it but I felt really good and actually genuinely proud for doing it next day did a DDP yoga workout to stretch out everything felt right as rain crystal clear then Wednesday, decided to go for another run, and I got, I thought, right, I'm not going to try and push myself, I just want to see how far can I get, maybe like close to the, my starting point on the circuit that I did. 
And I think that worked out at 1.71 kilometers or some weird number like that because I'm using an app on my phone to track it. So I got through that and I felt like I was pretty, felt like I was going to keel over because, you know, you got to breathe and stuff. But I, again, felt really good for it. Next morning, I kind of woke up feeling like utter doom and just decided, you know what? Nope, I'm, I'm taking a day off of working out. I just, I just need to. And then, actually, no, what it was, was I actually then did a DDP yoga workout on Thursday to stretch out everything. And then the next morning, I was thinking of going out for another run, just like, again, a short one. And my body just went, Jeremy, mate, buddy, pal, don't. <laughs> L- literally, it's one of the very, very few conversations I've had with my body where it's been a very direct answer to me saying, just don't do it. So took that day off, and then I thought, right, I'll have like a day off, and I'll try and go for a run like Saturday morning or something, just another light run. Now, where this is leading to, everybody, is what happened Saturday morning, because I did some work and stuff, because I've got nothing else better to do with my life on a Saturday morning, and then went to the run. Went down to the local park, started running. I was about five, six minutes in. It actually felt really, really good. I had a good stride going. I felt, I actually felt not confident is the right word but I was very comfortable with the pace I was setting it was definitely an improvement on how I'd been going throughout the week I actually felt like I had made progress and then I was suddenly I was running and then all of a sudden I felt a pop in my left hamstring Nasty. now yeah it, not fun now the first thing you obviously do like you know how you if you're watching like the Olympics or something and you see an athlete suddenly grab the back of their leg and they start hopping and you're like why did they start hopping like, I actually did that, and I thought while I was doing it, why am I hopping? <laughs> but, so I sort of, I just sort of grabbed the back of my leg, right, okay, take stock, just get to the side of the path that I'm on, just try and figure out what the hell just happened, because the, the weird thing is, is like, what, the only way I can describe how it felt, Andy, and, and this isn't going to get graphic, everybody, it's just to try and add perspective, is you know how, like, if you pull, like, an elastic band with, like, You've got your index finger and thumb on both hands and you pull an elastic band apart and you let one of them go. And it's just kind of like that sound at the end, but almost like, you know, you get the impact of the elastic band on your other hand. It was basically that. And the actual pop didn't hurt. It was just the muscle afterwards going, what the hell (laughs) that hurt? And I sort of tried to figure out, right, is this just a cramp or have I actually done something? Tried to stretch it out a little bit. And I could immediately tell, no, I'm going to be here for a little while. But the thing I was more worried about is, could I actually walk on this thing? Because what was a 10-minute walk for me to get to this park might take a heck of a lot longer (laughs) now to get home. And after about 10, 15 minutes of sort of just trying to figure out where I stood, literally... I uh, I could put some weight on it, so if I couldn't have put any weight on it or I was on, on the ground in agony, this could have been a heck of a lot worse. So I think I got off quite lucky on it. I think I've probably just given it a really good pull and I just need to basically rest it for a few more days before I can do anything else. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it's, you know, it's just, it's really annoying. It, it, I mean, it's like with anything. I'm sure people can relate to this if they're doing personal projects during this work from home stuff at the moment. That you sort of get to a point, you actually feel really good for it you know you've actually reached an achievement and it, you suddenly just almost have like a brick thrown at your face just to put you back a couple of steps. Yeah, I mean, th- this is always a problem with kind of like physical exercise in general. I mean, I, I had a similar thing at the start of the year where uh, for Christmas I, I got a Ring Fit Adventure, which turned out to be a very prescient uh, present because it, it has been a, a literal lifesaver, right? It feels like it at this uh, current, uh, current point in time. Uh, but yeah, like I had a very similar thing of, you know, I had a a good week or so, probably like about 10 days of like having a really good kind of building up and kind of getting confident. Like, okay, yeah, like I'm, I'm feeling good about this now. I actually really want to kind of work out with it every day. And then, yeah, like I kind of got injured in it. It basically kind of set me back for a good few weeks while I had to wait for everything to to rest and, and recover, which is, is incredibly frustrating. Um, and it, it's also always Sod's Law that if you get injured and you're, like, out somewhere, it's always at the, the point that is the furthest possible place from, like, your home or your starting point. Oh, like, totally. As, as somebody who once, like, tore a tendon in my foot, like, it happened literally while I was as, as far away from home as possible, and I had to literally, like, drag my foot back for about a couple of miles, which was uh, not a fun experience. So all, always the way. Yeah, so it's, it's just gutting more than anything, especially as well, because I think 
well, I think I posted it during the week on my, uh, again, on my sort of personal Twitter and Instagram feed, but I had reached like a massive flexibility milestone from doing all the yoga stuff where like in a certain position, I could now literally like make my face touch like my right leg above the knee. Yeah. Like, so from, from a flexibility point of view, I've literally come up, I've hit a brand new milestone. I've started doing this running, which is really good. And then all of a sudden it's like life going, you know what, Jeremy? You have done good. We should give you another challenge to up the ante. <laughs> yeah. And the challenge is now do sod all for a little bit of time. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so the reason I, I spoke about all of that, everybody, is because that leads me to talk about what I ended up watching as a result of that. Because when you've sort of gone through that kind of muscle pain and it takes you like an hour to walk back from a park that's only 10 minutes away and stuff like that, when you're walking through a Tesco's to grab a few bags of frozen peas and the cashier is genuinely worried of like, are you okay? <laughs> because you're just hobbling in a really weird way. <laughs> I ended up putting on Netflix, trying to think of something to watch. And I remembered something that you told me about, Andy, following us talking about Megalobox a few weeks ago. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah, so you mentioned to me that there was, an, there was like another boxing anime, a recent one, but it was on Netflix, produced by Polygon Pictures by the name of Levius. So in my haze of having a big bag of frozen peas underneath my hamstring, I couldn't exactly move anywhere. I just watched the first episode of Levius in a bit of a weird state of mind. <laughs> and for those who, who aren't aware of what Levius is, the, the easy way to, to try and sort of sum up what it is, is that um, like in an age where, where devices are mainly powered by, by steam, so think of like the age of steam, there are there is a boxing that is a pastime and people gamble on it. It's kind of got a similar vibe to Megalobox in that way, but it's got a big, big steampunk element to it. And all the technology that involves the machinery that is used to sort of help the fight the fighters power, if you will, or they've literally got replacement limbs in some cases, because there's there's alludings to the fact there was a war of some kind that, that took place a while ago. The technology of the fighter you are following by the name of Levius is all steam-powered, and so it's all about having to you know, keep that going, tweak that and such. And this young fighter named Levius is just wanting to be a boxer. He wants to fight. It's not really established why he wants to do it so much, but you sort of follow his journey through this first episode of getting through a fight with a ridiculously awesome move for a punch where he sort of spins around and stuff and survives this flurry of boxing, of, a, of actual, like, attacks to him being delivered by a fairly competent boxer and his trainer who i believe is his uncle is just telling him you can't keep doing that you're basically saying your arm is gonna fall off because they're not the most well-off people in the world so they're having to sort of make do with the parts they can grab and this is sort of like a journey of him saying he'll all right, he'll listen to him, but he's actually not going to listen to his uncle. He's just going to do whatever the hell he wants. He gets another fight booked, and he's starting to build a little bit of a name for himself in this lower league of boxing that he's in. And this culminates at the end of the first episode, Andy, with him fighting in what looks like a Roman Colosseum, which I was quite amused at, at the fact that this is a, this is a Division Three fight in a Colosseum, but sure. <laughs> and obviously people are putting bets on it, and Levius... His looks and whatnot clearly have him have the he has the ladies side of the fan base on his side, mm -hmm. and then he's got this really gruff looking guy who clearly just wants to beat him up because he thinks he's a he's a goody two shoes and such. And so he goes through this fight, and he's Levius is getting his to put it bluntly, he's getting his ass handed to him, but he's biding his time and he's. His uncle is trying to give him some advice, trying to coach him, telling him to use certain techniques that they've been practicing. But what it ultimately comes down to is he risks it all to deliver that move once again that his uncle told him not to. Mm -hmm. And after that, it then teases the fact that, oh, you know, there was clearly some a high-profile name of some kind watching this fight. And that's kind of a very succinct way to sum up the whole first episode but it doesn't actually give anything away too much on what i've said because the first episode very much establishes the setting that you're in alludes to a lot of things that have occurred it teases the fact that there is clearly some mental trauma that has happened that maybe has led to levius's decision but also sows the seeds for how this boxing circle i guess works 
within the confines of this steam-powered world. And I've got to say, Andy, I love the world that this has been set in. I'm really, really curious to watch more of it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, like I mean, we had um, Jack Liang from Polygon Pictures at Scotland Loves Anime uh, last year for the uh, the Education Day, and uh, kind of part of of his discussion was kind of showcasing uh, the first episode of Levius uh, yeah, before it had actually aired on on Netflix, if I recall, or it maybe just like arrived on Netflix. And uh, yeah, like you know, it, it's always really interesting to kind of look at their look at it from from the technical level of, of their production and, and how it works so it was really interesting to see that kind of alongside a, a discussion of kind of polygon and, and how they work but yeah it seemed like a seemed like an interesting series and uh yeah it's uh do you think you're gonna gonna watch some more of it I want to. I'm really, really curious. And I also think it's a really, really good showing from Polygon in terms of their CG production. Because I know, obviously, I've mentioned Agin in, in recent weeks on the podcast, which is also partly why I delved into it. Because when I was searching through Netflix, I just thought, Levius, why does that sound familiar? And then I looked it up and realized this was the anime you told me about and also remembered it was a Polygon Pictures production. So I just thought, okay, I, I'm curious. Let's see how this CG looks. And it, it genuinely looks really good. I really, really like it. And again, I'm I'm someone in the past who has said that they're sort of totally fine with the whole CG looking thing. I know it can turn a lot of people off, but for me, I I can gel really well with it. And the whole presentation of it and the way they're able to do the boxing elements of it, just it looks really, really cool to me. So I I am genuinely looking forward to watching more of it when I get a chance. Hmm, cool, awesome. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely one of those things where like I, I think my my knee-jerk reaction when that title was announced was like, yeah, that doesn't really need to be CG. But then when you actually look at it and kind of, you know, the sort of dynamism you can add to that when it actually comes to the boxing side of things, you can kind of understand why it's a good fit for it. So, uh, so yeah, that's cool. So, uh, so, yeah, so that's one of the things I was watching uh, uh, over the weekend. And, uh, I mean, Andy, I, I know you sort of said you were relaxing in the sun and whatnot, but you mentioned, you mentioned Railgun a few minutes ago. Yes, indeed. So it's not actually something that we've talked about on the podcast since we restarted it a month or so ago now. So uh, I guess just how is it? I, I appreciate obviously you said it's kind of reaching a climax and you don't know when it's going to be continuing at the moment. But how has that been this current season for you? Because I know from us just talking personally over the over, I was going to say the summer, but that was like last summer at this point. But in talking about a certain magical index and how that was, which... For those who don't know, Index and Railgun are essentially set in the same universe, but are just different strands of that universe. Think of it like an MCU, but in some ways cooler, in some ways different. Um, I mean, I like both personally, so I don't know why I made it sound like that. Yeah, it's a very but, diplomatic way of saying it. I know, right? I don't know why. We don't even have the license to it. So I don't know why I'm being diplomatic about it. But I, I love both of them personally. I've not seen the most recent season of, Rail, uh, of Index, sorry, but out of the two... Out of the two franchises, if I put it that way, I really have leaned more towards Railgun, and I've kind of intentionally saved it, like not watching the most recent season, so I could try and binge it all in one go. So, how has it been for you? Uh, yeah, it's been it's been great. I mean, I am I am a fan of Railgun, kind of from the the manga, uh, which you know this is this is adapting, and this. I was always really excited about this season because it's kind of one of my favorite story arcs. Like it, it starts out as kind of like school sports day and you're like rolling your eyes like, ah, oh, sports day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like even, even with like supernatural Esper powers, like not really that invested in sports day, uh, but it quickly kind of spins out into a, a really kind of, a, a really kind of big deal of a, of a story. It's kind of, a, kind of somewhat a lot of threads that are laid down throughout kind of index and railguns sort of come to a head and you kind of finally really get to see somebody who's been pulling a lot of strings behind the scenes for like the entirety of that series kind of coming to the fore with their with their master plan um so all of that stuff is really cool um Railgun T also like finally properly introduces uh, uh, Misaki Chokuho, who is a really great kind of character that sort of gets teased at the end of Railgun S um, if you've kind of been watching the the anime and and you know she gets a, a little kind of a bit of an intro there, but like she is a major player in in Railgun T, which is really is really enjoyable to see. And I, I think the thing I like about Railgun is that 
it, it does justice to kind of all of its characters, like even relatively small sort of side characters. There's a really great episode in, in the manga and in the, the anime adaptation of Rogue and T where you've got a couple of characters that are, are very much kind of bit parts. They just sort of hang around with one of the other sort of more major characters and you don't even really know what their deal is, but they effectively get almost an entire episode where they're basically like left on the front line. Like everybody else is indisposed and it's just like, okay, you two are going to have to like fight this battle and you're probably not really going to get any, any help or support. And it turns out they can both kick ass as well because they're like, they're really smart. They have interesting powers and like stuff like that is just really nice to see that you just like every, every character sort of has a place and has a, a level of importance within this series. And uh, it's, in a way, it's almost the exact opposite of Index, where it kind of always ends up just being down to, like, Toma's right hand saves the day, whereas Railgun is very much like a collaborative effort. It's not just about, like, Mikoto Misaka as great as she is. Like, it relies on a lot of other characters stepping into the breach and, and doing their own bit. So, yeah, it's like it's really good action. It's it's a really good kind of solid overarching story. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, it's also... It feels like the the animation in Railgun has continued to always be like a step up from Index. Like Index can get a little bit ropey at, at times and in places, whereas Railgun seems to have a lot of care and attention like slathered over it. And so it, it kind of it really shows in terms of production values as well. So uh, yeah, it's kind of like it's it's coming towards the climax of this big story arc, and I, I assume we're probably going to have like a quote unquote filler arc to kind of close things out after this point so it's kind of a bit unfortunate that it looks like it's going to have to go on break kind of just before it gets to its sort of nice cutoff point of here's the end of this story but uh, I'm willing to wait because uh, yeah I, I've been really enjoying the series yeah it's interesting what you were saying about the sort of the presentation of Railgun and Index because just in general I've always preferred the look and feel of Railgun there was just hmm. something about it that just really stood out to me. And and I went in, originally when I saw it, I went into it blind, not realising that Index is actually the quote-unquote core title of the franchise, isn't it? Yes, yeah. So, I mean, that's I think that's kind of part of, part of the reason for that is that obviously Index is primarily a light novel series, whereas Railgun has always just been a manga from the get-go. So I think it has, it has more kind of, visual stylings to lean on in the first place, which has probably helped it from day one anyway. Interesting. And when it comes to continuity at this point, I, I don't know. Again, I've not watched it in a while. So where does Railgun T, the, the current season, fit into the continuity of everything? Is it like after the most recent season of Index? Or can you like just watch Railgun and get away with it? Oh, you can just watch Railgun and get away with it. I think Index has kind of stretched quite far ahead of, of Railgun if you're trying to really tie everything together. Um, so kind of, uh, I, I think Index has kind of gone on quite a way beyond where, where this story arc of, of Railgun is at. Um, but yeah, like I mean, there's there's sort of there's one character um, that turns up in Railgun T, who I believe is sort of you know further down the line in terms of kind of index stuff. Like I mean, I think he still turns up in the the anime, but you know, it's uh, very much he's probably the one character that that might be like, oh man, like I don't know who this is because I've not seen any of Index. But even that, you don't really need to know a lot other than like he's another ridiculous idiot of a character. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so really, I mean, you you can just watch. You can basically just watch Railgun kind of outright, I think, and you'll you'll get pretty much everything you need to out of it. I mean, you know, at, at best, you just need a quick check of like the Wikipedia of like who is Kamijo Toma and what's the deal with his hand, and then you're pretty much good to go. Because mm. wasn't there another spin-off as well? Was it a certain scientific accelerator? Uh, yes, yeah, Accelerator was the other recent spin-off that, uh, again, started out as a manga, got an anime adaptation what, a couple of seasons ago now, I guess. Mm. Um, that was kind of late last year, which was also pretty decent. Like, that was, again, not quite on kind of Railgun level, but that was that was kind of enjoyable and entertaining in it, in its own right. So, uh, so yeah, they, they, they've been going kind of full bore on the, the, the index verse uh, of, of late. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, I kind of hope we don't have to, to wait as long for... The, for, for more Railgun post Railgun tea, but uh, I guess we'll we'll see how it goes. Hmm. And and sorry, remind me, mate. Where is um Railgun streaming? Is it Crunchyroll or is it yeah, Funimation or is uh, it both? It, it might be on both. I've been watching it on Crunchyroll, but it would make sense if it was on Funimation as well. Hmm. 
for some reason, I had a feeling it might have been one or the one or both. But. Yeah, I mean, Funimation has typically been the the home of, of Index and Railgun, so I'm guessing that they they may have it. But yeah, it's certainly it's certainly on Crunchyroll at this point in time. Oh, there we go. And I'll, I'll make sure I put the in the show notes, everybody at our blog for this particular episode of the podcast. I'll make sure to put the the link to both sites as well as the the link for Levius on Netflix as well. So, uh, Andy, the, there's only one other thing I can talk about that I've watched this weekend, which, again, in my haze of, you know, being stuck on a sofa with a hamstring, being in a very, very unique feeling position, as it were, <laughs> I, uh, I loaded up Crunchyroll and I just looked at what's been updated recently, what's new that I've not watched yet. And I just launched headfirst into a show which is called My Life as a Villainous. Sorry, My Next Life as a Villainous. All Roots Lead to Doom. Yeah, so I, I've read the first uh, light novel from this series, so I'm I'm curious to uh, to hear your your appraisal and, and your thoughts about the uh, the anime adaptation. Okay, that's cool. So and you can help me then if I really butcher to describe what the show is like. Then, so <laughs> this isn't all bad. Look good. So, um, right, the way I would describe this is the, the basic premise is. There is an Atome game. Now, for those who don't know what an Atome game is, the easy way to sum that up is it's a game where generally one of the goals, besides there being a main plot, is you develop a romantic relationship between the female player character that you're playing and one of several male characters. It's a, it's a very popular format in Japan if you've not come across it before, but trust me, they're freaking popular. So there is this game called Fortune Lover, and, with, and there, is, there is a person... What's the way to put this? The main character who you who you are focusing on at the beginning of the episode, by the name of Katerina Kleis, I think the name is pronounced. Mm-hmm. She comes across, to put it bluntly, she's a bit of a dick. Like she's very, very forthright. She's very young. It lives in a very rich family. Has a rich upbringing. Really doesn't appreciate what other people say. If she originally said, for example, she wanted to wear a blue ribbon with her dress and then randomly decides when it's being put on her head, I want a red one. And the maids are like, you said you wanted a blue one. She's like, I didn't. You're fired. (laughs) So very much that mentality of things. So the way this boils down is it turns out she is an otaku who has been reborn in the setting of this video game. Mm -hmm. And... She is 17 years old when, from when she... Basically, she dies at 17, and she's reborn in the young body of this character, who's at roughly, I think, age nine? Yeah, that sounds about right. And the, the, the random hook of the story is that she has played the game relentlessly. She knows all the characters involved, all the different strands as to how the story will end, depending on a decision that is made regarding... The, the main heroine character and any of the love interests. And she has been reborn as the as the antagonist character in this. And she doesn't want to be exiled to somewhere else or put to death. So she's trying to navigate her way through living this life while trying to make sure that she doesn't ultimately get done over. Because hence the name in the title, All Roots Lead to Doom. She is trying to avoid all the routes that lead to doom. And she does this by, say, befriending certain characters who maybe, you know, one one's just very introverted and doesn't want to talk to anyone. So she befriends them and starts getting them to open up a little bit more. Or there's another case where someone has just been bullied all their life because, like, they're, they're like the stepdaughter, if you will. But then she befriends them and they start to open up more. And that leads to sort of other pathways that intersect. And after watching the first two episodes... I really, really, really enjoy the show, Andy. It is a very fun watch. It's a very, very simple watch. You've got to sort of keep your eyes paid attention a little bit when it comes to who is relating to who and maybe what certain things are being referred to. But in terms of just going in blind and watching this, this was an absolute delight to watch. And seeing how Katarina is trying to avoid certain pathways with her knowing how the game ultimately ends up, and then just a little thing that she does causes it to ultimately still end up heading towards the same result from a completely different way. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a really enjoyably kind of like subversive series in in that sense. Like it, it's one of those series where I think everyone's kind of like rolling their eyes at the number of like isekai, you know, reborn in another world series that are, are kind of kicking around in recent years. But this is one of them that, that really has a lot of fun with that premise. 
and kind of has a has a somewhat unique take on it and and does some really kind of enjoyable stuff around that and uh yeah i i, I really quite enjoyed kind of reading the first uh, the first light novel because uh I, I sort of i went into it with a rather cynical expectation of what it was going to be and, and it managed to kind of turn it around on me quite so uh, quite nicely one detail I actually f- forgot to mention, which is kind of the crucial detail as to why she suddenly remembers that she's been like reincarnated in this world, is that while she's kind of just being herself and she's sort of trying to chase after a potential love interest, she ends up falling over and crack and basically just cracking her head on the concrete. And she's seemingly laid up for like a couple of days in bed. And when she wakes up, she's suddenly really kind and friendly, but she also remembers that she died when she was 17 and now she's in the world of this game. Yeah. So that's the reason that she comes to the real to the conclusion of who she is, why the heck she's the, like the villainous in this entire thing and how she needs to try and avoid doing anything wrong to make sure she doesn't get led to the doom path. That's the, that's the crux of how this all comes about and the way that she discovers that and the reaction of everyone else around her is it's like they're sort of just like uh Katarina why are you gardening? We pay people to do that. It's like just when you there's a very rich aristocratic household and stuff, and just the, the little things that she's doing, like magically, she's really good at climbing trees, and all of the maids are like, "Since when have you been able to climb a tree?" It's just little things like that that just play on 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 a lot of the isekai tropes in a in a really unique and fun way. So if you're someone who has watched a lot of Trapped in Another World type shows and I'm maybe getting a little bit stale on just that kind of show, maybe give this one a try because it's actually something quite different. And I don't know... One can probably assume where this may ultimately end up, but you can't at the same time because there are so many different possibilities and the way they're playing off on it. But the the other thing that really stands out, Andy, I'm not sure how this was done in what you read, but she has a lot of, like, inner dialogue with herself... And there's a there is a there are a couple of scenes where she essentially has a meeting between five different versions of herself at a table inside her brain, <laughs> and it's really really well played out. So you've got one who is like the really really smart version of herself, one who's the really timid version of herself, one who is kind of like the wise elder of the group leading the meeting and being the judge, and you've got one who is just like oh yeah that sounds like a good idea the kind of plucky go lucky one, and then <laughs> someone who's just like why are you doing this. What possible reason would you choose that? And it's just a wonderful... They, they throw these scenes in maybe once or twice in the first couple episodes, but it's just a wonderful moment of internal dialogue to analyse all the different possibilities that could that could end up depending on how she decides to handle a situation. And it, it's handled really, really well. Yeah, yeah, I, I seem to I seem to recall them kind of handling it similarly in, in the light novel, but I, I could be mistaken. Must, must also be the season for it because uh, this uh, past week's uh, Kaguya Sam, I had a very similar thing of just like, uh, do I do this or do I do this in in a kind of trial between two different versions of Kaguya presided over by child version of herself, who basically just says, "Ah, oh, you're both idiots. Who cares?" Uh, which is uh, <laughs> which is enjoyable. Um, but but yeah, like I mean, I think. Um, I'd actually be quite curious, like, given that, that you, you took to this, talking about isekai shows that are kind of on a different track to the, the norm. Like, I, I think you'd probably actually enjoy A Sentence of a Bookworm as well, because it kind of shares a little bit of DNA with, with All Roots Lead to Doom, but also has a, a very kind of different... It has a very different trajectory to most isekai shows that, uh, I don't know, I think you, you might actually quite enjoy from, from what you said about that one. Okay, I might give that one a try for the next time we're talking about this stuff. But but yeah, so uh, let me get the name of this right again. So, uh, my next life as a villainous all roots lead to doom. I think the first three episodes have aired. I've only watched the first two specifically. And it's on Crunchyroll. Give it a check, everybody. It, it, it's worth a watch. And Andy, I think you probably like the anime adaptation as well. I will say that when it comes to the, the quality of the production... It's not the most high-end thing in the world that you will ever see, but for what it's putting across, I think it works absolutely perfectly, and I really like it. Mm, yeah, I think it's... I mean, Ascendance of a Bookworm is very much in the same vein of, like, it's kind of functional in terms of how it looks, but, like, it does everything that it needs to, so, you know, that's that's fine. Mm. One more interesting detail is that the opening title sequence and the ending title sequence, they keep showing the characters being, like, much older. Whereas mm. these first two episodes, all the characters I've encountered so far are very, very young. 
Okay. So I'm assuming at some point in the story, if you know, don't spoil anything, but I'm assuming at some point there's going to either be some kind of time skip or by the end of the show, we'll get to that point in the story where the characters are older. It's only, yeah. I don't know, but it is it is a weird... I know they do it sometimes with shows, but it's very weird how they're very much putting all of the imagery of this show as them being older characters in this Otome game, but we are literally starting with them being kids. Yeah. I at the beginning of it. it. It's a bit of a dichotomy, but not a problem. It's just very weird when you suddenly see the ending sequence and all the characters are much older. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those typical problems that, that anime tends to have when, you know, they, they maybe don't have the time or budget to have, like, various separate versions of the opening animation, and so you, you get to see all these kind of characters, or, yeah, like you say, the characters are older, and you're like, oh, okay, well, I guess this is probably a hint as to something that's going to happen, and, uh, yeah, like, there are definitely shows I think I've watched where, you know, there, there's just some mysterious character always turns up in the opening, and then, like, seven or eight episodes, and it's like, ah, that's who you are. <laughs> yeah, there are some shows where they do that, and you're just like, why is it taking so long to, to meet you? But but, no, but thanks for the recommendation of uh, Ascendance of a Bookworm. I'll definitely uh, give that a watch when I can. That's on Crunchyroll as well, correct? Yes, it is indeed. Cool, I'll make sure to add that to my queue when we're done recording. So, uh, Andy, anything else you've been checking out this weekend at all, or anything just to make mention of? I mean, you mentioned Kaguya, Sam. How's that been? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm still really enjoying that. Like I, I loved season one of that show, so uh, you know it's uh, it's been a, a really good sort of Saturday evening, you know, cheerful sit sit down and, and spend half an hour with uh, with those idiots. Um, so uh, yeah, I've uh, I, I very much enjoyed the the return of that. So uh, so that's been been good. Um, no, like I mean, I'm I'm now sufficiently kind of deep into. Uh, into our lockdown territory that that my my brainwave over the past week was you know what i'm just gonna watch all the harry potter films in 4k so i've started Wait, embarking what? on that yeah like because i've only ever seen like the first two harry potter films and uh like a the third one is uh alfonso Cuaron, which i, I just want to watch because i love him as a director but this is like it feels like if ever there's a moment to kind of uh redress the balance of kind of like big big holes in my like movie viewing kind of catalog like now is surely the time and so i just decided like well all the harry potter films are available on 4k blu-ray so why not why not do that so i've watched the first two of those like over the past weekend yeah i've got I mean, to be straight up with everybody, when it comes to Harry Potter, I do not care for it at all. I totally appreciate and respect the, the franchise because it's clearly really good. But when, given I had to take some nieces, I, I had to take, being the phrase here, some nieces and nephews to go and watch the first two films against my will when they first came out in the cinema. <laughs> and they were constantly scared throughout it. It's not They weren't exactly the most pleasurable experiences of going to the cinema with nieces and nephews. So suffice to say, I've not watched any more since. Yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, it it is like it is one one of the the few kind of interesting things like watching the first couple of films is like yeah, there is there is a real kind of like dark undercurrent to those films that is quite unusual for sort of like western films aimed at a younger audience. Um the the other thing that kind of <laughs> that terrified me at least is the fact that like the first film is almost almost two decades old at this point. It's like Oh, oh god, god don't say that. Yeah, it's like two thousand and one was the first film. So it's like, oh man, this is like, you know, this is a twenty year old film basically at this point. Which is actually like one of the surprising things about that is that the CG that they use in, in the first film in particular, like, it's not great by modern standards, but it's kind of it has a style to it that is sort of cartoony enough that actually it still works and it still holds up. Because I was fully expecting like anything kind of like computer effects wise was just going to look really outdated, but it kind of just works and sits together okay, just because it looks really cartoony in a way that they've they they it feels like it's a deliberate thing of just like oh you know this is some weird larger than life thing happening, so of course this doesn't look realistic, and it manages to get away with it in a way that I think a lot of other films from that era probably do not at this point in time. I'm just still shocked at the revelation this thing's nearly 20 years old. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I very much... Because I, I had that moment of think, of just, like, thinking, like, oh, this must be, like, what, maybe 15 years old at the worst? Like, you know, it wasn't that long ago that Harry Potter was the big, you know, blockbuster movie deal. And then, yeah, I looked up, it's like, oh, 2001. Wait, that's next year. <laughs> this film is 19 years old now. <laughs> ah, so, uh, so, yeah, so, so there you go, folks. Now that uh, if you're as... <laughs> 
Oh, I can't think after knowing that. Sorry, my brain's just gone. <laughs> um, where do we go from here? I guess we'll just start to close out the show. That, that, that's an easy get out then, I guess. Jeremy can't think anymore, so he'll just close out the show. But uh, thank you very much for listening, everybody. In terms of programming going forward, might as well make a quick note of this, Andy, that we're actually going to be trimming down a bit our, our output on podcasts. We're going to be going down to, to two a week from now on, partly just because work is ramping up. Not to say that we haven't been working hard already, but it's just when we need to factor in actually being able to record a podcast well and giving us a decent amount of time to be able to do so. We would just rather give you guys a couple of shows that are good fun a week than having to just try for the sake of it, get three out. So the next one we're going to be putting out, Andy, is on Friday, correct? It is indeed. And it's also going to be our next Watch Along episode, isn't it? It is indeed. Do you, do you want to reveal what what we're going to be choosing and and, and perhaps why we're going to be choosing it? Yes, it's, it's, I, I feel like you put yourself in a dangerous position there because now I could just shout out any series. It's going to be we're going to watch the Harry Potter films, um, uh, but, but I won't. Actually, wait, has it been a Harry Potter anime? No, I, I seem to recall there's been some like fan maze like this is what the Harry Potter anime would look like, but I don't think anybody's actually uh, actually done done the deeds as far as that goes. Um, but uh, yeah, so our, our next watch along is uh, actually, you know, having talked about Love Life Sunshine as a title that we've we've kind of had season two, you know, on the back burner for a while, and we're finally releasing it. Um, our watch along is going to be another title that we've had in our catalogue for a little while and we're finally close to being able to announce our home video release plans for it um and that is uh, the the studio cara um two episode ova i guess you'd call it uh, the dragon dentist uh, which is available on all four to watch um, and so we will be watching episode one of the dragon dentist Indeed, and I also want to say off the top of my head, Andy, and again, I should really look this up before I start saying it, I want to say Dragon Dentist is also available to stream on Crunchyroll, but I might be wrong. Uh, I think you are correct, because it certainly was initially, so I would believe that. Uh, Yes, it is, yes, there you go, I've just literally checked now. So yeah, so if you want to watch it subtitled, folks, you can watch the first episode subtitled on Crunchyroll, and you can check out the dubbed version on Channel 4's All 4 service. And like Andy said, you know, we're going to be able to properly announce our home video release planned very soon or going well. So we just thought, you know what? Let's get the ball rolling on this and let's let's pick something, I guess, a bit more recent is a wrong way to phrase it, but something that is actually going to be pretty cool. It's produced by Studio Kara, who, if you're not familiar with the studio behind Evangelion, let's just call it like it is, and they've done a number of other properties as well. Obviously, Japan Animator Expo, the series of shorts that that we that we love at anime limited to be quite frank and yeah dragon dentist is is gonna be really good fun i I seem to recall in the past andy i mean this is kind of spoiling some content for that show already but i seem to recall i may have watched episode one at the time it originally aired but i don't think i actually ever watched the second episode i've not thought about it in terms of like everything that happens in quite a while so i'm actually really looking forward to checking this out again Yes, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we have kind of discussed it in in some shape or form in the past, and yeah, I've, I've not watched it since uh, it, it first aired, which was what like 2017 at this point in time. So, well, I'm making people feel old about everything. Um, so, uh, or, so or yeah, reminding, or reminding us how long it's been. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, like it's uh, this. This was a really kind of fascinating. I mean, again, it, this originally came out of the uh, Japan Animator Expo. Like, it started out as an eight minute. Or kind of nine minute, I think it was short as part of that, and then got spun out into into a, like a full blown kind of two episode OVA, effectively. Um, and yeah, like I, I definitely remember having quite quite the soft spot for it, so I'm kind of looking forward to uh, to revisiting it. Indeed, and I think the plan all going well is that we will have Keith back on the show to discuss that with us as well, so you'll also get a third perspective on that. Maybe even Kat, for all we know, Andy. I'm not sure what her workload's going to be like, because she'll be coming back from a couple of weeks off, but we'll certainly ask her and see what she thinks. Yes, yes, we we, we shall see. We shall uh, we shall drop this bombshell on, on people when they're back from their holidays tomorrow and, and see what happens. Exactly right. Oh, we should say, everybody, Keith got Final Fantasy VII, so that's why he's been on holiday. Yes, yeah, he's uh, it's, it's a, a very happy man currently, so uh, all, all is well in the world. I look forward to the day when I eventually get my copy, but that's a debate for another day. Everybody, thank you very much for listening to the show. We'll be back on Friday, like I said. Remember, no show on Wednesday now. We're going to aim to do two shows a week. We're, we're still trying to figure out if it's going to be Monday and Friday or Tuesday and Friday, but but come this Come this Friday for the Dragon Dentist special. We should have it all ironed out by then. So from myself, Jeremy Grace, from him, Mr. Andy Hanley, we've been Team All the Anime, signing out and speak to you soon. Bye, everyone.